Well, hello. I think we've got you here, Adam. And the welcome into the Mike Thrays podcast, everybody. It's a even more somewhat remote connection because I'm up north in Byron Bay. And Adam, are you still down in Melbourne? I'm still down in Melbourne, and thanks again for having me. Uh, another two thousand two hundred cases or whatever it was today. So probably lucky to be up in Byron Bay at the moment. <laughs> Ooh, gee, it's a it's a big topic to add with. Do we, do we go down the rabbit hole with that one? Yeah, I think it's, 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 and it's, it's quite likely to stimulate some conversation. But mm-hmm. I think before we get to that, and I, I feel maybe we'll, we'll plant that seed through a future one, but it's, I mean, it's definitely topical and it's certainly topical where I'm at at the moment in Byron Bay and even partly getting up here and everybody around the world can relate to that premise. But beyond that for now, and this is kind of part of the, I guess, the theme. Adam and I had a brief chat. I hit him up with some old accounting tax questions before, before we began this conversation, because <laughs> I'm a little bit out of the game and I'm having to look after my business affairs, particularly with, with this business, which has emerged through writing books and then developing a podcast, which Adam has been such an incredible part of. And what we were talking a little bit about just briefly on that chat, and it's something that's come up for me and Adam's now. Uh, I think a little over a month. Are you a month in now, Ads, or maybe a bit more since you started? Yeah, you know. I think end of this week will be six weeks. Yeah, six so weeks. It's gone very quickly. And so we've both kind of been through these big changes. It's a bit. It's been a month since I actually left Melbourne. It was a month uh, yesterday, and what we were talking about just briefly, and I feel inclined to bring it in and. Uh, and Adam could probably relate to this in his own journey. I'm just hearing how Adam settled into the new changes. That pe- putting people on a pedestal, putting tasks on a pedestal, kind of feeling challenges come up partly because we've attached our, our worth to them and, and wanting to be in control. And it's something that I've been experiencing a little bit. Yeah, over that over the last four to five weeks, Adam, I've also been doing an emotional embodiment course with a, mm-hmm. a coach who's helped me incredibly on, on Instagram. I first came across her stuff. And she's helped me become more aware of while we all have tasks and priorities and things we're working on, what I've been wanting to step into in terms of connecting with more people, listening to the podcast here and, and readers, is being more sovereign in my energy and ultimately providing content and value in my work and, and no matter what work and everybody listening here, most of us have some form of professional service or engagement and we might not necessarily consider ourselves a professional services person, but we're whatever type of work we're engaged in, we're performing, we're actually what we sell, whether it's a product, it's still us that are involved in the selling process because we're still we sell from the, the aspect of our energy and, and how we feel about that product. And what's been coming up for me, and I'm interested in your perspective on it, Adam, particularly in a new environment with new relationships and new connections, is having made the change to go north again, I've been provided this opportunity to reframe some of my relationships and connections and, and seeing where perhaps where I've, I've had blocks in with the business and, and other issues and, and ultimate success is – I've put too much importance on them. I haven't felt completely worthy of receiving them. And I've ultimately sometimes I've used them to affirm my worth. So that's what is coming up for me is, is that something you can relate to at all at the moment, Adam? And is that something you could really build into, yeah, your experience so far the last six weeks? 
No, definitely, definitely can. And I feel moving over to this new job has certainly put that into perspective for me because I think uh, with some of the, the feedback and the things that I've been doing in the last five or six weeks um, is a little bit contrary to some of the feedback that I've received in the past. <laughs> so I'm now looking at those relationships as not necessarily what I thought were or weren't relationships, but just some of the feedback I'd been getting then and respecting that, but now I'm getting a lot of different feedback. So yeah, that, that, that's making me think a lot as well about those relationships too, not to say that they're bad or anything like that, but just makes me think maybe, like you said, I was putting too much importance on them. Uh, Maybe, you know, living my, my accounting life by them and, and perhaps not looking inwards rather looking outwards and just, taking what I was being told as gospel. It's so, it's so, it's so funny, isn't it, Ads? I just, yeah. you're sharing that. Um, I had a very similar experience. We've talked about this before. I had a very similar experience, probably um, maybe a bit different than my first accounting role when I, I really, when I was yeah, a suburban firm, it was much smaller. It was about 20 or so people. And I'd been there three or four years and a little bit like what you were talking about in our last catch up, but I don't know. So one of the reasons I, I kind of got in this space, I was, I was kind of part of the furniture. I, I was kind of felt mm-hmm. like taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe it was part of it was I was attaching my worth to some of these. I'd kind of come in there, not from the full cup, so to speak. I'm, I, I wasn't that excited about accounting at the time. I know you're completely different kettle fish with that. You're incredibly gifted at that and it's a passion for you. But for me, there was this awareness that writing was more of my passion. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of got the job reluctantly. And that was uh, literally it affected all the relations. Not all of them. I was still able to relate to people and build friendships. And But I, I had difficulty fully stepping into that space of the accountant. Mm-hmm. And what happened is... In that three, four years when I was there, um, yeah, I met difficulty and challenges, and I a lot of the feedback was quite negative. Um, I remember I, I would get the the regular six monthly or twelve monthly reviews, and they had a they used I was going to say SWOT, not so much a SWOT list, um, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities. That no, was more of the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Okay, your strengths and weaknesses. So you have the SWOT without the OT, the S dub. And my weaknesses were always much longer than my strengths. And I'm like, for real? <laughs> Come on. You, you get <laughs> that feeling of what do I have to do? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. It was really – and I was like, it was the, – the one that I was always getting like on the strength was determined. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Determined. He's determined. He's willing to work at it. <laughs> and I, that was it. I was working longer than most of the people here mm-hmm. um, in the office, and I was putting in. It's almost like I cared too much, isn't it? Which is what we're saying with that that theme. That, but so it's it's interesting when you you make a change and you kind of like. Okay, enough I, already. So yeah, now? I was going to say I think we can probably add another layer to that as well. In that, uh, and I found this too, especially when I was more in my junior phase, and you probably felt the same way. It's almost like you were seeking validation because you were so junior, and you were looking up to these these directors and your bosses and things like that, and you were trying to seek validation from them. 
but I found now that as I've progressed and I'm a little bit more comfortable with my own skills and my own expertise, I don't necessarily seek that as much anymore. So I feel like that has been a little bit of a change, especially with moving to this new job in that I'm, I know what I bring to the table and, and that's what they wanted in me and that's why they've, they've hired me. Whereas previously I was always trying to seek, seek approval. So I found that little bit of a mind mindset shift certainly makes me feel a little bit more, more comfortable in myself as well. And you probably felt the same thing with, with moving over into the, into the book writing and things like that. It's something that you're more comfortable with, more familiar with, and something that you know, is a passion of yours as well. Yeah, it's very interesting what you just shared there. And I it's actually connected with the book writing. Probably my most recent project is is kind of developed from that. And literally you you go through multiple states or roles or or levels. And it's it's interesting exactly what you, you felt that um, I was. I think that was part of it when I was in that role. You know, I was a little bit older because I had done a little bit of travel when I first started. Maybe actually, I think you you were a little bit younger than me when you started as a junior cadet. But some people mm-hmm. joined straight out of university. But I was a little bit older, and I was kind of in that two worlds where I definitely saw myself as a junior. But the same, and I was there for two or three years, and I was stepping into like a mentoring. I was mentoring other people, but. To me, it's a little bit like, yeah, exactly what you brought up and what I, I talk about in my most recent book. How you see yourself is really important, how mm-hmm. other people see you. And I think it's understandable that the, the hierarchies are in, the structures are in place to, you're that junior, you're literally giving a title in the corporate world. This is your title and that's that. But you would, it's funny when you meet people that they might be, um, they're young and they kind of already step into that intermediate and they're they're very confident already mm-hmm. and they just kind of walk that path and then there's people a little, little bit older that it's still wanting that that yeah, that validation and I think that's what happened with me also I think Adam but it's interesting you brought that up when I moved to another firm from where I was I I my technical skills had improved. I'd had a lot of uh, development and I knew how to relate to clients a lot better. But what was the challenge was I was ultimately stepping into a more managerial role, which is what mm-hmm. since now done. And it, what's interesting, you bring up the book writing for me, it was almost like a, a back to the start type approach where it was a little bit to, to go into a field where you, you're the rookie. Um, again, and it was probably a good three years of really <laughs> feeling that out. And um, mm-hmm. while you might have had the, the technical skills and the expertise to actually act and be in the state of a, a professional a, a manager like you or an, a, an author, a podcaster, it's still connected to mindset and how you see yourself. And I think for me, part of that challenge is I've been trying to find it or see it in others. It's like this funny thing. You're trying to mm-hmm. find your worth in others or you're trying to find the validation because it's it's like a, a teaching that we have to find our worth and our, our conditional deservingness. But mm-hmm. the ironic thing seems to be that we see it in others when we embody it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's been ingrained in us from young kids. You go to school and school is really based about getting marks and comparing yourself to others. So, yeah, we're almost ingrained to think that way, that we have to do things to to get results or to, to get validation from others when necessarily that's not the case because from my experiences, you try and get validation from others and sometimes it doesn't come. So you're left wanting it, <laughs> and it may never come as well. It's comparable to me. 
I, when I, I talk about in this book around, it's a business book. So it's predominantly around what I've been learning over the writing journey. And it's interesting you to, to talk about obviously experiencing with corporate and uh, the listeners here, a pray and intend they can really understand this also, that exactly what you talk about, we're kind of brought up in the, in the societal space, what's called the competition consciousness or, or uh-huh. what I call the, the warrior victim space, where you're taught to always want to you, compete against another to find worth, that you're uh-huh. never worthy enough that and the, the worthiness is only derived from how you compare in relation to others. But at the same time at that, the consciousness which is preoccupied with competition and the warrior, they're also somewhat of a victim because they're always having to find someone to defeat, like a boxer who can't hang up the gloves. So you know when they're uh-huh. the champ, they need to keep boxing on because they're in the state. They're the archetype of the warrior. Their worth is dependent on them, how they defeat people in the external reality. And it's like people that on an entrepreneurial space, that the money's never enough. The relationships are never enough. They're always wanting to succeed. And we've touched on it with, it's what a state that really dovetails into this a lot is the pleaser archetype because they get uh-huh. very good at pleasing and they derive their worth from the pleasing but ultimately, the, the pleaser is always looking to someone to please to validate because they're, it's an external pleasing. They can't find it within themselves. And what I'm encouraging the reader to practice in this book, to embody, is just turning the, the hourglass around the other way that you, because you're already worthy, you don't need to please. And you're of more value to your community and your environment and your relationships when you stop looking to use them to find your work because it's somewhat... To put them on the pedestal is obviously blocking both you and them from having a sustained relationship. And this is not just uh-huh. in a workspace. It's in it's in intimate relationships. It's in family relationship dynamics where we can develop resentment, where we, we literally do things, where we think, well, they will approve of us because we've made that decision on them. This could be a boss, but this could be a parent. This could be a relationship partner. Where it doesn't necessarily feel organic. There's uh-huh. something within us it's like no, I don't really want to do that, and I. But I'm I'm scared that if I don't do that, they will reject me. And then when things go wrong, well, then the, we we can't accept our own responsibility because we never felt we had the power. We handed over the power to the people that we used to project our worth, and that's where the the warrior victim space it keeps us in a perceptual loop. And I feel it's something that's most of society same subject to and this is the, the interesting perspective on the awakening journey and you could perhaps relate to this is that we begin to wake up to this i'm worthy enough already i'm not missing anything and i'm, I'm not perfect i make mistakes and we do things but rather try to you know invest in all the products and the resources that everybody tells us we need to look a certain way be a certain way have certain things the the paradoxical thing for me seems to be when we embody it and we're okay without the certain things, we become more of a gravitational energy to allow those things to come to us. So is, is that something you can relate to, Ads? No, definitely. Definitely. And if, when you put it like that, you sort of know it, but hearing it put that way it makes it very, very clear in that, yeah, we are often seeking the approval of others. And, and like you said, you're trying to make others happy, but it doesn't necessarily always happen. And then, you know, when you don't get that result, that resentment builds up, builds up. And to, to a certain degree, that's what I felt at my previous employments in that I was always seeking 
that approval and that validation, but it never came ultimately. So yeah, putting it in that, in words like that, it resonated, yeah, a lot. And I suspect it will with a lot of the listeners as well. Well, it's interesting because exactly what you just shared, um, <laughs> it's a lot, e- it's easy to say that, isn't it? And it's easy to, mm-hmm. but with society and everything we can, consume- <laughs> I'm very much like we are what we consume. And I'm eating a mm-hmm. delicious halloumi roll at the moment, and it's 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 the bomb, and so I'm enjoying it. But that's the and people talk about with body shape and diet, mm-hmm. but what we forget is everything we consume. And from the space that we are energy, and we're energetic beings as well as human beings. We, mm-hmm. have, we have names, we have job titles, we have we have identities. But what is it? Whatever we consume is what we we get more of. And the challenge is what exactly what I'm. I brought this up to you because I'm feeling it ads and I've been on this journey for a while and, and most, a lot of people I meet in this space are consistently coming back to it because most of what we are encouraged to consume is teaching us that we're not enough. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm a bit fired up about this. Um, hugely losing it, so to speak, ads. <laughs> I'm not sure. If, I'm not, I don't know if our international listeners will know what we mean by that. But Hughesy is at a... An Australiana um, okay type <laughs> comedian who um, on radio stations, and he was he's well known as through his um his uh, his rants that he would get on very laid back, and that's what I think makes it so funny because ninety nine percent I'm probably not that far off you, so I shouldn't give him too much. <laughs> and I do have relations to where he's from, funny enough, but um, he's very laid back, and he's like, oh yeah, he's the top of laid back Australian droll and no, she'd be right, mate, no worries. But what was always entertaining was whether Husey loses it mm-hmm. and he would and he would get on a rant and he would just express what he was really feeling. And I guess that's it. That's part of it is that I feel the world is changing and the world's the world's always changing. Every day everything and you brought up on the 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 benchmark again today and I think if we've learned anything the last few years it everything's changing consistently mm-hmm. and we're not, and we don't really know where everything's going, but what mm-hmm. I can sense and even with the, it seems to be when sometimes when things are going really on the dark and the challenges, there's also a, a light that's coming through and a greater awareness. So it's like one comes in with the other. And what I'm finding is in, in going inward and being more aware of our own thoughts and what we do consume because we're maybe we're spending less time in, in a workspace. We have to be with ourselves. We mm-hmm. have to actually look more at what we're thinking and what we've been traditionally taught to believe. And that's where it's, it's at. It's a, and this is not something new this year, last few years, but we're always, every every generation has a different perspective. And our, our parents and our parents before them, things are always changing. But what I'm seeing more of is this, this is it. It's it's time to reframe how we, how we see ourselves. And we don't have to see ourselves as wrong and we're missing something. And, you know, Christians talk, I don't like to go all biblical, but people from a Christian background have this idea of original sin. It's this, it's this deep belief in the Christian uh, um, Christian Catholic or maybe Greek Orthodox too, ads. I'm not sure. The, but it's this original sin is this idea that we're born unworthy. It's like, oh, yeah, and even you owe it to your parents as soon as you're born. You, you have to make, you come in with a big load debt. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're already in the deficit. And so it's why it's it's like a 
this is some conscious belief that a lot of society seems to have, whether uh-huh. you're Christian or not. And so we feel like we're always living trying to make it up, make up for what road. Uh-huh. Oh, we've got to, we've got to be good. We've got to be good. And the more we preoccupy ourselves with needing to be good, we we fear when we make a mistake, we become even more hard on ourselves than being bad. And then we keep being drawn to things. Of, How can I be good? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's a crazy loop, and it's something mm-hmm. that I think we're we becoming more aware of that no one can ever give it back to you other than you. No one can mm-hmm. ever tell, and you you not owe you don't owe anyone anything. And while that might mean it might be a radical shift in an acceptance of belief system to think, even in your relationships, to be of more harmonious connection to your family and your relationships, if you're putting expectations on them whether it's your children or your partner or your loved ones, you're putting conditions on them. You often mean you're putting pressure on them to, you say, you know, you're not, I'm not going to, you're not going to get your dinner tonight unless you, you know, you, you got an A on the, on your maths exam. Or, mm-hmm. That's a pretty dramatic thing, but this is something that does happen. It probably happened. does happen. Yeah. It does happen. And people are taught to believe, well, I'm not worthy to receive unless I get that what I what I prove in the external, and this is what mm-hmm. we take into us. And we might think we've dealt with that belief, but then we we go into relationships. So, like, okay, well, unless I I tell them how effing fantastic they are, how amazing they are, um, and and you know, and if they don't receive that, I'm not gonna I'm not a good person because I'm mm. consistently looking through the external to prove worth. And this is I think where this juicy rant's coming from. What can be really powerful is perhaps what you're experiencing, what I've also been experiencing. Changing the belief system to the pleaser uh-huh. and, the, and the warrior and just being worthy. It's like you don't reach worthiness. You, you, can't, you can't find your people talking about finding yourself or find, you know, I'll be happy eventually when I have this or when uh-huh. I have all those things. But the paradox seems to be once those things arrive, we look for something else because uh-huh. we're not happy yet. Unless you're appreciating what you already have in the space of gratitude, whenever the things arrive in your reality that you've been asking for, you're unlikely to appreciate them either because you're uh-huh. going to keep looking for something to be the answer. So that's, that's yeah, it's kind of came out quite strong, that easy red. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you'd like to build on that ads or take it, take us in a different direction for our- um, well, if one thing I could say and I've sort of noticed this as my career has progressed and it goes back to the beliefs and being stuck in certain mindsets and attitudes and I think if we look back at our early time together um, there's probably a couple of people that we can think of off the top of our heads that were very it was either their way or no other way and I think I've found as those people have sort of progressed on as well, but as more junior uh, staff members have progressed as well and become more senior, that there's been a progressive shift in it's not so much anymore about there has to be one way of doing things. Mm -hmm. There's more of we'll accept input and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll try and find a middle ground. Yeah, definitely. And I think that certainly helps as well in finding that acceptance and, and that gratitude that you talk about in that it's not so much now about that one person or that one way of doing things, but it's more flexible and more versatile. And that, I think, creates a better result, both satisfaction-wise but also from an outcomes perspective because we're all different. And I think as we 
we go along and the world changes and and things go from the outdated way of doing things that I think we're finding now, uh, you know, aren't right anymore. It's certainly making things better. And there is a shift, whether it be subconsciously or consciously, there's a shift towards doing things in a better way. And ideally that change in mindset as well certainly helps with with this topic and, and people being able to look inwards rather than outwards to seek that gratification that they're after. I think that's perfect, mate. Um, you know, I love the I love the chat, I love the rant. Had I, I can't really, <laughs> I can't build more. I think you've just summed it up so perfectly and so succinctly for the listeners here that it's both what we just talked about. It's it is somewhat generational because without mm-hmm. the heavy names, the, a couple of those <laughs> were, were, were more of the generational thing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. and they and, and similar to the parent dynamic. Yeah, they, in their defence as well. And they learnt off their own. What, here, exactly right. That's, yeah. that's what they were, grew up in or that's the, the environment that, that they knew. And yeah. not to say that it's wrong, um, but that's all they knew. So it just continued that way. And, and the only other thing I'd, I guess, add to that, connect with that, and applying it again more so lately uh, in addition to you, what we're saying, the world is becoming more collaborative, isn't it? Like you said, because mm-hmm. the generation's changing and everything's becoming more, and it's more consultative is probably even a better word. But the mm-hmm. funny thing about also with that, whether it's still, whether it's more cons- a consultative environment now, I mean, it's still, we're still dealing with what we just talked about, the reminder that we're worthy. Um, is when you say no to these people, this is the interesting thing, whether it's the, people that are more consulting they're probably more open to know now but even when i said no to some of these i had some difficult conversations with the people that were more used to it they respect you more it's so strange uh-huh. and it's uh-huh. almost like <laughs> you think by pleasing you're adding more value and you do what you want but sometimes it's it comes to a point where you've actually got to stand up and have boundaries around the conversation mm-hmm. thankfully it's less of an issue in the environment these days but it's still something that we we interact with because we're all uh, whether we're younger or older we still always need to practice boundaries mm-hmm. and sometimes even though with modern corporate speak and modern obviously anything at top of role there's a lot more willingness to people don't see themselves necessarily in seniority and my way or the highway but in terms of working as a, as a team and any type of environment, the empowerment to say no or I really think uh, we should consider another option, thankfully people are more willing to hear that these days. But when mm-hmm. people are not ready, and this is maybe a situation with uh, older family members or even in long-term relationships or connections or any type of environment, really, and even we talk about older, like even the way we interact, newspapers, television, these are... These are older institutions, aren't they? And things are becoming mm-hmm. more. So we still operate in some of these more, I'm not going to say antiquated, but it's somewhat, they're, they're more dated than some of the more modern forms of communication. So we still have to kind of interact and, and play with that. But it, I think it's really important to to say no to when we don't agree. And, some, and the, the, the paradoxical thing is sometimes we might get pushed back and people might actually, yeah, you might get criticised, but it's okay to say no, and uh-huh. it's always okay to. And particularly, you you ultimately will often add value to that connection or relationship when you say no, because you can you're allowed to be more authentic in the encounter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people just like yes men, which 
that's the way they are. But if, if there are those people that, that value the inputs, then they'll value, no, we could do it a better way. Or how about we consider this instead? And often, and just from personal experiences, the best result is always found by having everyone's inputs. Uh, what's the, the saying? Two, two minds are better than one. So by having that input, you're always creating, you know, advancing ideas off each other, creating new outcomes, um, and ultimately just having one approach will work some of the time, but often, oftentimes a better result can be found by having that input, bouncing ideas off, whether it be, you know, a team member that you're working with or even a, a co-worker that might not be directly connected to the situation but has some outside views. I think, so it's, I think it's always a positive thing to get that multiple, yeah, collaboration touch points. Well, it's interesting we, we come into this and, um, yeah, we'll probably wrap this up soon because Adam is working at the moment. He's on his lunch break. He's currently taking time out to, to field this call. Um, As me. you know, phrase, my uh, timesheets won't do it themselves. <laughs> exactly. Timesheets were accountable. And it's funny, it's funny talking about Adam. And I've been thinking about that a bit more the last few days doing a bit more business stuff and uh, in relation to books and, and time management. But what, you know, not having a fixed firm idea about what we're going to talk about today, what I've, I'd like to close with, and maybe you can get a few little examples maybe you've had some experiences with over the last month um, in being a truly empowered leader now, um, at least in terms of the title. You already were a leader in terms of the way you were, you're operating within the organisation. But now we're at the title. What I'm feeling inclined is it's all about leadership, isn't it? And there's mm-hmm. this balance with leadership and there's different types of leadership. You know, there's the old Dennis Pagan football coach. Of, um, you know, he's seen as, this is a, an AFL football coach in the 90s. He was renowned as and just telling people what to do. He just, my way on the highway. But you look at some of the more successful coaches like a David Hardwick uh, for Richmond, who had a bit of, it was a bit of the rebel as a player. He was kind of the anti-authority thing. He played for Essendon which is mm-hmm. my club. And what we're, we're finding with a lot more of these more modern coaches, um, and Beto for, um, for Adam's team, the, the Bulldogs, is it's a lot more consultative. And leadership, we from that perspective, I feel leaders uh, leadership has become more about, well, I don't need to be better than anyone else. A good leader knows mm-hmm. how to use its resources and be mm-hmm. a mastermind. And really, they still are accountable. There's an accountability for those decisions. And you can perhaps maybe build that a little bit as we close this ads with the mm-hmm. staff you're managing. But there's a greater trust too, isn't it? You don't have to, to micromanage because you're less mm-hmm. attached to the ego. You've got faith in the process. And there's an awareness that by empowering your staff, your teammates, in effect, you become a better team as a result. Mm-hmm. And I have found that. And, and, I think for me what's been interesting is coming into a new role and getting familiar with all of the team members. So obviously there are going to be the junior staff members that that require uh, instruction in that this is what you need to do, this is why we're doing it, and this is how you do it. So they need that, whereas there are some more senior staff members that they don't necessarily need that, you know, uh, micromanagement. Mm. They just need... And I find what works for me is we have the discussion and oftentimes the guys doing the work this time around have worked on it in the past. So I'm almost looking at them for answers because they're the ones with the knowledge. Like I come with 
you know, the, the, the technical knowledge and, and the, the accounting knowledge, but they come with the knowledge of the client. And if anything, that's more important than what I bring to the table because I can get the work done and make sure that it's right, but they'll know the ins and outs of the clients, which I feel is more important um, than just your basic accounting stuff. So it's being able to work with them, make sure that the job's getting completed on time and things like that, but they're the ones that actually make it tick and make sure that, you know, if if we contact the client via phone rather than via email, they're the ones that tell me to do that because, you know, they've got their little quirks that they don't like receiving emails or they might not have emails and things like that or they, they prefer old school posts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's getting the best of both worlds and being able to put all of our combined knowledge and getting the outcome. And I think that's, it's just so important, isn't it, that leadership is really about being willing to almost lean on the resources around you that, mm-hmm. and you do see it as more consulting. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably the, the big theme. And um, without having a real set plan of what Adam and I wanted to talk about, I, I kind of, as I explained to him, I've, I've been bringing this into my own space where, I guess, and maybe you listeners may also relate, uh, depending on whether you, you might work in an office like Adam or you might work in any type of team environment in, in a landscape gardening businesses and gardeners in front of me at the moment where I am um, working as a team. Communication is, is so important in all mm-hmm. those aspects. But the ability to communicate effectively ultimately is, is almost like a letting go space where it is a little bit like that where we're not attached to the, the pleasing or trying to try to be better than anyone else or, or fearing not being better than. And this is the funny thing, even for me uh-huh. as a sole trader, a, a, a sole business owner, I, I am accountable to my own responsibilities. But for me to succeed and, and move forward, I've also got to be willing to let other people assist me in that uh-huh. environment. So whether you're in the sole trade or or in, uh, you actually are working within a team, it's still the same thing that communication is so important. And it, the ability to communicate effectively, which is what Adam and I were talking about at the, the earlier part of this episode, it can be a lot easier when we feel worthy and we're uh-huh. not looking for validation. And, that, and that's something that thankfully in the generations that are moving forward in that collaborative rather than my way or the highway, people are, are a lot more empowered in their decisions. That doesn't mean sometimes we, we might lack confidence in a certain issue, but rather than being whacked on the head, so to speak, for not knowing the answer or, or trying to guess the answer, they're getting whacked anyway when we got it wrong. There's a willingness Can't win, can like, you? Yeah. Well, there's a willingness to say, I don't know what the answer is here. And if you, you know, we want to get the best outcome. So how is it that I can get the best outcome in this scenario what's not going to serve the client the consumer the reader for me or the mm-hmm. podcast sister um where can we get the best value so i think that's the best it's, way for me to conclude is there anything yeah. else you'd like to add up um add ads oh, before we finish up just on that last point uh, as the old phrase goes it's it's no pun intended <laughs> it's it's, like it. <laughs> uh, it's who you know what you know so for me, coming into a new role, learning new processes, I still probably don't know a lot of them, but it's being able to lean off the guys that do know, you know, whether it's technical or soft skills or anything like that. It, it's it's being able to know when I've overstepped my boundaries or, or whether I'm going into an area that I don't know quite so much. It might be just what's the process to send out a tax return? You know, what's the, where's the checklist? So being able to know who to contact, 
who to give me that information and, and be able to then use that information accordingly. I think that's great, Ads. I think that's a great way to conclude. A, a real sense of empowered humility is what I would like to call it. Um, you, by being humble and willing to ask for help, you actually become more powerful and you're more willing mm-hmm. to receive help. And, and I think that's fantastic. So thanks again for being on here again, Adam. Um, I'm sure the listeners really appreciate you being a part of this. Uh, they do this probably – they might appreciate me going off on my rabbit hole adventures and <laughs> the, the awakening journey. And I, I love it. I love exploring it really. And we might, we might tackle that topic that we first touched on at the start of this uh, podcast <laughs> Well, if you podcast. if you want to get a rant from me, let's talk about the uh, the, the current pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. We, we, maybe might, we might get different part. perspectives on that one, and it's it's a challenging one. And that, but that's mm-hmm. kind of part of it that we you build that respect between someone, and and you are willing to disagree, and sometimes that prompts um, challenging conversation, a challenging point mm-hmm. of view. And even my own point, I I've almost judge myself that. I've got a, a lot of perspectives on things now that I wouldn't have had five years ago, mm-hmm. six years ago. So ultimately when I'm feeling resistance, it's my own resistance because I'm judging how I actually judge. But the, the, the point of view that there's not always one answer and we all have different perspectives and there is different ways to, to, to tackle certain issues. But what seems to, when we have a common goal and we can work together, it just that seems to create an outcome that's a benefit for everybody. So uh-huh. thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, pleasure to have you on again, Ads, and we'll talk again very soon. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to speaking to everyone again soon. No worries, Ads. Bye for now.